Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, people? The World Charter here in the mix. SKD, how y'all feeling out there on this Dr. King's Day? Some people are asking me if I was going to do a special show for Dr. King. I'm like, no, why would I? We have to honor him every day, not just on Dr. King's Day, what have you. And also on top of that, it's, you know, it's just, it's like black history. Why do we celebrate uh, the contribution of the melanin in the USA history in one month? And, you know, with, especially during this time when people are under the illusion or delusion that we don't teach that history. So for me, Dr. King wasn't about, yes, you know, he got a day. Yes, people got the day off. Yet the thing is, it's like my brother, uh, Dr. O, talked about how people celebrate on Easter and Christmas when you see them in church. Recipe, they're out there doing whatever they do. So, you know, again, you know, Dr. King's day, go out there and just honor the legacy. And if it's not just Dr. King, you know, there are other people, Minister you know, Malcolm X, uh, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. There's and so many out there. You can just go, the ones that don't have the holidays, that don't have the acknowledgments, that don't have the TV specials, the ones out there who the colleges, like uh, Beth Bethune, uh, you know, HBCUs are named after. Let's, you know, honor those, the churches that need help right now. There's actually an article I'm going to talk about sometime next week in reference to how the black churches are struggling, right? And it's pathetic because, you know, you have, you know, Brother Dre in the world, you know, publicly, you know, we, I, you know, we don't know what to do behind the door, so I'm not going to, like, come at him directly. It's just publicly we see, you know, him dropping, I believe, $70 million to USC School of Film or what have you. And we have all this black wealth out here in this, in this country, but yet there's still the mentality that black people are suffering. I mean, whoever brainwashed people into think black folks into thinking that they're still suffering, that they're at the bottom of the barrel, that they haven't gone anywhere, that they're still enslaved, they're still oppressed, and white supremacy that every corner, you know, around every corner they walk, is, they did a really good job. You know, they did, they, it's almost like that really, who's that guy, that, that letter, in reference to how to deal with the enslaved people in the West Indies, can't remember. Anyway, so, you know, how, so again, Dr. King's Day, you know, what do you want? He wanted to be judged by the color, not the, the color of their skin, but the content of their character. So it's funny that you have the Pelosi in the world out there talking about honor Dr. King, and they're talking about, you know, especially this generation, many in this generation, not just this generation, but a lot, what I see public in this generation who are saying, no, judge me by the color of my skin, not the content of my character, which is one of the most pathetic, whack things I've ever seen. It's just so pathetic. And this generation is just, you know, you know, the algorithms are really doing a job. And the sad thing is like Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix movie that came out. Is that the you know the elite those who power the Zuckerbergs of the world and all those guys are sitting out there you know they have their massive compounds their massive wall security their deep security like almost like a mini army and things like that you know they they sit there in their little castles and 80 square miles of Silicon Valley though they're mostly at home and they just create these algorithms and things like that 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 warp the perception of the population to their benefit because it, they, as far as I can it doesn't really touch them you know the guy over at Twitter and all of the other guy I can't remember the guy's Twitter's name whatever his name is. You know, these people, it doesn't touch them, Google and all these people. It doesn't, they feel it doesn't touch them. They don't care how it divides the country because they have their money. You know, think, sit back and imagine, you know, you're, you're a billionaire like Brother Bezos and, um, you know, Elon Musk and the hobby we have right now is racing to space. And you have people struggling out here with tuition. But, you know, what can we do? It's just, it, sometimes it just seems helpless. Like, you know, you want, you're almost asking for an alien invasion to, you know, pretty much annihilate all this nonsense and whatnot because this have and have not can, can only go so long. So back to today's groove. Uh, the title, I got a couple of emails that was asking about this. Uh, progressive district attorneys plus defund the police equals the death of innocence. And it's so true. So let me read the description to you. 
So how's the progressive movement and defund the police movement working for you? Things improve in your high crime neighborhood? Crime down? Is violence down? And homicides are down? Wait, were you one of the people that was convinced that the police, not the violent felons, are the bane, the reason for abuse and death in the inner city? Wait, did you even live in the neighborhood where you were, pro- you were protesting the police? Or did you live in, say, Malibu or Amherst? Has things gotten better from the election of, of those, quote, criminal justice reform and mass incarceration? Criminals are victims. And my laws are guaranteed to get someone killed. District attorneys like Los Angeles District Attorney Gaston or the one in San Francisco whose parents are, were active members of the terrorist group, the Weather Underground. Let's talk about this. So, again, this is how this all came about. Essentially, was just looking at what's been happening. God's going down here. He feels like the, the criminals are the ones, you know, who need more, uh, what's that word, attention. Their, their needs should come first before the victims and anything like that. This is, what he, this, this is what he was talking about. And you look around the country and you just see crime is just going through the roof. If you look at the slideshow that I put up, you can see what I'm talking about in, in that regard. And, you know, the gentleman who ran the SVU, uh, into those people at the Christmas parade. You notice how the media talk about that because the black, it was a black guy that drove this stuff. Instead, in fact, they were saying that an SUV ran into people as though the car was like an AI, had no person behind the wheel. And when they found this as a black guy, oh, see, it doesn't fit the narrative that they don't talk about. But the, the reason why I bring that up is because the district attorney that, or the state attorney, attorney general, something like that, whatever, he brought in these new laws, bail reform, and he said, he said his laws are guaranteed to get someone killed. Why no one has sued that bitch is beyond me. I'm so sorry, excuse my language, but he really is. He publicly said he knew his law was going to get people killed. And people aren't, where's, where's the Black Lives Matter? Where's the Patrice Colors? Where's all these people say Black Lives Matter? And I'm like, where they at? And no one sued this guy because people are getting killed out there. You know, it was his, it, it was his reforms that put that guy back on the street. And then when you look at God's going down here, God's going feels like, you know, if you murder 40 people, then it's because of society's racial bias towards you that force you to do it and that, you know, the victims, you know, their collateral damage to the cause of reducing mass incarceration. Did you all know that uh, the prison population since the pandemic has, been, has, has reduced by 66%, but violent crimes have increased by 36%? You, you think there's a correlation? Hmm. So you have to really wonder, but, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just really, it's just disappointing people out there in the world, you know, regardless of where you stand, uh, you know, in reference to criminal justice reform, right, that's, you know, whatever, you know, it's a joke because why should the victims be, be victimized again? He's like this. Gaston feels that, you know, in fact, he told his DA. Now, let me tell you something. When you're a DA, like in the Bay Area and like in L.A. County, and you're under a recall and your own prosecutors are trying to get rid of you, and the sheriff, there was a recent murder of a police officer whose name is Casey this moment recently. He was hospitalized with his lady friend. Um, rest in peace, brother. He apparently had came back. I'm going to do an episode on on to honor our cops, you know, having slain. And if you don't like it, don't listen to the show. Because right now, it's, you know, what are you doing to change the, the, you know, besides complaining, whining, and moaning, not all you, my friends, is the people out there tuning in. What are you doing to make a change? You don't like the cops? Why? What do they do to you? Right? So, you know, I'm going to do a show to honor the cops because I have a lot of fellow, I have like a lot of former students who are police officers. And to see how, you know, this whole agenda has attacked the institutions is pathetic because it's not going to end well for the people who started this whole nonsense. But, you know, Gascon feels like the, the victims are, are, you know, don't matter. So he tells his prosecutors that, you know, they should not appear at parole hearings to speak on behalf of the victims. So some victims are finding out that the person that's responsible for the murder, the death of their family is on the street or is about to be on the street. And they don't find the office. They find almost like by Twitter. So, you know, it's pretty sad 
how things are really coming together for people and uh, I don't know. It's, it's sometimes it's, it's you, you just wish people you can wave a magic wand and you, you, then people would open their eyes um, and really say, "My God, we are really being played." You know. So you know, let's get into this. Here's a guy, uh, District Attorney Braggs. I'm gonna play a couple of clips here. Keep the show. You know, try to keep the 45 minutes if I can do the best I can. Uh, and let's just get into this. So here's a little comment by. You know, the uh, uh, district attorney Braggs, I believe, from Manhattan, he came out there and talked about he's not going to prosecute resisting arrest, jump fares, and some other crimes. I believe he said some forms of sexual assault as well. I, I didn't say this is what he said. So let me give you a little clip of, and of how they really, you know, mock the people who are really out there that, you know, that really need help. So let's have some fun. Check this out. Uh, it's been a long week, but I still have Thanksgiving in my heart. Uh, thankful first to Reverend Sharpton. Uh, he's been through the storm. Yeah. Right? This, uh-huh. is, this is his first week. Uh, he's seen just about everything. He's been standing up for our community. Uh, as he said, not just right here in Harlem, but nationwide, talking about fairness and safety and justice for all uh, for years. So I thank you, Reverend Sharpton, for your leadership. Uh, and I'm thankful to you. Y'all voted for me. <laughs> And as Reverend said, we were specific. We said we were going to marry fairness and safety. And we laid out a specific plan. We put it on the website. We put it in print. And this week after January 1st, we got down to work. Uh, And we are doing what we said we would do. Yes, one of those things was saying that sexual uh, sexual battery, sexual assault will be prosecuted as a misdemeanor, not a felony. This is what he said. We know that our first civil right is the right to walk safely to our corner store. But we also know uh, that uh, that safety has got to be based in our community and fairness and cannot be driven solely by incarceration. Now, I'm wondering how it's driven by incarceration where a bullet doesn't really know the person that it's hitting, and oftentimes the person firing the bullet is a felon or a convict, whatever it may be, or a criminal. Right. So when you talk about this fairness incarceration, it goes back to the same speech. Incarceration. Okay, when someone shoots someone in the head, where exactly do you want to put them? If a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old or a child is sexually assaulted, where do you want to put them? They want to do this restorative justice nonsense. What happens? Puts them back in the street. Here in Los Angeles, what happened here is that the prisons are down. The uh, was it the occupation the occupancy has has went down 66 percent. They want to save the pandemic. Blah blah blah. On the Gascon, and you know what happened? Murder and violent crimes went up 31 percent. But they just refuse to look at the connection there because people on the street don't really matter. It's their own agenda. And these little people like Al Sharpton and all these guys that run around, we talk about the communities and all this stuff what they do. You look back and you ask, okay, you want to talk about community investment, ask Al Sharpton. What exactly have you invested? What jobs have you created? What schools have you put together? What, what have you done to benefit the community? This, so let's get back to this guy here. We need investment in our neighborhoods. Uh, and we do need to address our significant Safety concerns. So that's they were going to have investment in that neighborhood. Amazon was going to bring in 32,000 jobs, but AOC and Sharp and all those guys ran, ran um, Amazon out, out, out of the city and took 32,000 jobs you know, with them. And then you know, not what, a little over a year later when the pandemic came around, these same people that would have had those jobs are the same ones who are now begging, they were begging for a stimulus check of you know, $1,200. So where's the investments? Like, what are they talking about? They don't bring money in, they don't do anything, but they take money out. 
So this little smug guy here somehow thinks that, you know, okay, we're going to do, we're not going to put him in prison. Where are they going to put him? Like, what do you want to do with them? No, they want to essentially have it where you're gang raped. You know, you go down to, like, you know, a social center and you apologize. Say, kumbaya, my lord. You're, you're blessed. And now you go back to the street and commit the It's crazy. They're, they're using black. They ignore black death unless it's convenient. They ignore the death of Latinos unless it's convenient. They ignore people, the, the Anglos, the opioids, the Appalachians. They ignore all this stuff because it doesn't help them. And then when they get elected, they have just enough acolytes around them who are smug enough to say, you see, hey, look, I, I told you what I was going to do. I'm going to do it. Watch. Guarantee when you see gunfire increase, violent crimes increase in New York, they're not going to say anything. But what we set out to do, that's what we started to do this week. And I thank Reverend Sharpton uh, for his invitation because there have been, uh, let me just say, some misunderstandings. Uh, we know change is hard, but it doesn't have to be this hard. So let me say for anyone who needs to hear it, and I don't think y'all need to hear it because you know me, my top priority, and I've been talking about this not just for two years, but for decades, is guns. Uh, if you walk these streets, you know that. Uh, and I've walked these streets. So uh, let me be clear to anyone I'm introducing. Now, let, now if this is the way they always, and some of y'all know this. Again, it's not your political affiliation, it's a communication. And what happens, a lot of times they'll start showing their street cred, their ghetto card, my, their, I've been through this. Here it comes, watch. Myself too. I've had a semi-automatic weapon pointed at my head. I've been shot at. Uh, and just late last year, I had walked to a crime scene uh, with more than 20 shell casings on the ground with my two young children just to get home. So don't tell me about guns. I know about guns. Negro, please. Because let me tell you something. He knows so much about guns, he just wants to get the keep the, he doesn't talk about, well, how do guns get into the community? How are they getting there? We're talking about, you know, it's nice talking about these, these 20 shell cases and stuff like that, but how are, these guns, how are these guns getting there, right? Why is violent crime going up? Why is there running gun battles down the middle of, of Manhattan? You go to the community, there's a video of the young lady gets out of the car, walks over, and pulls out a gun on camera and shoots another woman in the head. And then walks, I mean, they eventually arrested this woman, but she walks right back to the car. This is exploding across the city, but they want to talk about, I, you know, I know what I'm talking about, blah, blah, blah. Let's defund the police, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, then, the, are, are the people, everyday people on, on the subways, walking the street, they're getting murdered out there sexually assaulted. They'll talk about stop Asian hate, but you will never talk about it. Most people that's doing is black people, right? Watch. Let's continue with this guy here. And I know it from my work, too. Uh, Y'all didn't just vote for me because I showed up and I said I'm a kid from Harlem. You vote for me because I've done the work. I've been a federal prosecutor. I've been a state prosecutor. I've prosecuted people for gun possession. I've prosecuted people for armed robbery. I've worked on gun trafficking. So again, let me be clear to all those who I may be reintroducing myself to. If you go into a store in Manhattan and use a gun to rob that store, that is armed robbery. That is serious and will be prosecuting armed robbery in Manhattan. Okay. You're going to prosecute that armed robbery as a felony or as a misdemeanor? Because he, you know, he's leaving that part out. Y'all don't need to hear that because y'all know and that's just obvious. But to anyone who needs to know, uh, there it is. And there it is. Yeah, there it is. It's people. I'm so sorry for the interject the comments, but sometimes I have to let the, the, my insight flow into the groove when I'm hearing it because it's just so much nonsense because he's so smug, right? And, you know, Al Sharpton, like, you know, on one aspect, you know, I kind of want to leave him alone because he stood by Michael Jackson 
when Michael came up to the Bronx. Was it Harlem? We came up to Harlem and other things, but you know, he's just an opportunist. It's like you know, you say, you know, what has he done? You know, I mean, he's got he's gotten wealthy. Him and Crump and those guys, you know, Ben Crump and stuff like that. You know, you know, um, uh, Sharpton popped up down. It was funny. I have to find that clip uh, from the preacher episode when, when Sharpton popped up down in t- Texas. Uh, represent the Haitians who are, you know, essentially they were saying being harassed who are coming illegally into the country. He popped up. The, the ironic thing was that people were heckling, like, yeah, why are you down here? We don't want you here. Get out of here. So this guy, again, they run that car, you know, well, I went through the ghetto. I've been through hard times. I've had, you know, guns at my window, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you should be the one that's out there, you know, we're going to prosecute you behind if you're the first person, you know, if you're out there committing these crimes. That's it. There is no excuse. I don't want to hear about this, you know, the society out here, white supremacy, you know, the Ku Klux Klan or, you know, birth of a nation. No, you got a gun and you willfully murder somebody. You're going to pay for that. He doesn't want to do that. Safety and, and, and it's just nonsense. So let's come across. Let's, let's, let's go from New York. Let's head southwest towards to St. Louis. And let's hear what Cori Bush has to say about defunding the police. What's her position to the criticism, quote unquote, that she had received? Rock it to me. Congressman, before we let you go, let me ask you about something else um, aside from the moratorium. Uh, you faced some criticism in recent weeks over your push to uh, defund the police. Um, campaign records show that you spent roughly $70,000 on, on private security, and some critics say um, that move is hypocritical. Um, what's your response to those critics? They would rather I die? You would rather me die? Is that what you want to see? You want to see me die? You know, because that could be the alternative. So either I spend $70,000 on private security over the last few months, and I'm here standing, here standing now and able to speak, able to help save 11 million people from being evicted, or I could possibly have a death attempt on my life. And we're also talking about the same exact people who say horrible things about me, who lie to, get, to, to build up their base, and then because they lie about me, I receive death threats. Mm. Now, they don't address the fact that I receive death threats after they go on air and say horrible things about me. But then they want to say, oh, but she wants, she needs private security. I have private security because my body is worth being on this planet right now. I have private security because they, the white supremacist, racist narrative that they drive into oh, this God. country, the fact that they don't care that this black woman that has put her life on the line, they can't match my energy, first of all. This black woman who's, who, who puts her life on the line, they don't care that, my, that I could be taken out of here. They actually probably are okay with that. But this is the thing. I won't let them get that off. You can't get that off. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life. And I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up. And defunding the police has to happen. Wow. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. What? other what other occupation can do work that's out of their scope and still be propped up to do work that's out of their scope as a nurse i can't be the surgeon too you don't want me being your surgeon and i'm the nurse at what point do we pay police to be social workers no we don't how do they get to be social workers so what i'm saying is you do your job 
let the people who are who um, have gone to school with a particular skill set do theirs. Neither defunding the police and being able to have security because because those same folks are causing it. It's two totally different things. And the other, and this is my last point on this. If I have actual police officers who have threatened my life, mm-hmm. yeah. tell me about that. Tell me, tell me that I don't need security. And, 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 I, and, and, and let me just say this last thing. My security is not against communal violence. My security is not to keep me safe from the people of St. Louis. My security is to keep me safe from those racist attempts made against my life. Now, if you want to do something about that, stand up and do something about that. I didn't see any of those people that have come against me with this negativity, with these lies, with these smears, stand up when they saw the N-word, when they saw uh, me post stuff about me being hung, the threats on my life, hanging me and burning me, frying me and my family like bacon. They didn't say anything about that. And that was just a piece of what I receive all the time. But you know what? I take that and I walk with my head up and my shoulders back because I know I'm doing the work for the people. I'm on the right side of history, and if they want, they can come and meet me to my face. You come and meet me to, you come and stand on these steps and fight for the people this way. You show up and fight for the people the way that I have. You put your body on the line the way that I put my body on the line. And until you can do that, I suggest you take several seats. Congresswoman, have you had police officers threaten you? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing, I've been in this fight for seven years. I'm a Ferguson activist. Oh my that God. happened to us. That has happened to us. It's not just me. Ferguson Frontline, that has happened to us multiple. I mean, it's more times than we can count. But even now, but as, a Congress, a as a member of Congress, you've had uh, police officers threaten your life. Oh, my God. I mean, it, and they're, they're still people. And you know what the thing is? They can threaten my life, and I'm still working for them. I'm still going to work for them. I'm still going to make sure their families are taken care of because I'm no respecter of persons. If you have a need, I'm going to take care of you because that's my job. I love the people 100%. I don't care what your occupation is. I don't care if you like me at all. I'm still going to do the work to make sure that your family has clean water, clean air, health care, a place to live, and all of that because that is who we have to be, just love humanity. But presumably, Congresswoman, I would hope that those, uh, uh, as you allege, those police officers would be removed, uh, or at least you would let uh, your security God. detail and the mechanisms in place in Congress to ensure that those officers are not still patrolling the streets. Well, you know, if work is being done, you know, there's nothing that comes in that, that um, is not being handled. So we're, we're fine. We're fine. We'll keep moving. Congresswoman, it sounds like you are handling things. Um, I, I was just, as I was listening to you, I thought to myself, did she have any idea the challenges that she was facing when she, she took this job and decided to, to go to our nation's capital? Are you, are, I'm just sort of curious about um, you know, your reaction to this. You know it's going to be a tough job, but it's something else to you know, believe that your life is at risk. Yeah, but it was a tough job being out on the streets of Ferguson for more than 400 days with real bullets and rubber bullets, with white supremacist threats, with being oh terrorized God. and um, uh, tear gas 
and um, brutal assaults uh, constantly, day after day, being heavily surveilled and harassed and intimidated um, over and over again. And that didn't just happen during the Ferguson uprising. It continued on for many years. So that was difficult. Standing before those tanks, that was difficult. Having guns in my face pointed, pointed at me, that was difficult. Watching my friends beaten and brutalized, that was difficult. So this is like I, St. Louis prepared me for this. So I don't feel like this is oh so much worse than what I've dealt with all of this time. Shout out to the Ferguson activists who do not get uh, uh, exposure that don't, where people don't know your story. I'm shouting you out right now, all mm. of my St. Louis activists. Uh, Congressman, I, I remember seeing you out in the streets of Ferguson back in, in 2014, uh, and you know I remember thinking to myself that you were somebody who was taking it to the street, and I just, I don't know if you, as Anne Marie said, if you thought in your mind back then, um, as it was all unfolding, all the weeks and weeks and weeks that you spent out there protesting uh, racial injustice, that you would one day uh, put your hand uh, on the Bible and take that oath of office. Did you imagine that? Not at all. You could not. You, if you would have said that to me, I, because I had already said years before that I would never run for office. I would never, because my dad, Earl Bush, has been in politics for most of my life. And I saw a good man do great things. And I saw so much like greed and corruption and just people trying to just hurt his, damage his name. I was like, why would anybody want to do that? So no, <laughs> no. But the moment called, the people called and asked me to do it. So I, I stepped up. But no, I Absolutely not. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I know, right? I'm so sorry, people. You probably heard me the background. There's about 10 of us in, the, in our studio here. We're like editing and cutting film as I'm doing this um, live broadcast. And it was one where everybody was nauseous. And I'm talking about some of my friends here. I may have mentioned earlier. Did I? No, I did not. Well, I mentioned we have three of my friends here who actually were admirers of Cori Bush until they started hearing her, her mouth when she started getting on the microphone in Congress. And they're back here growing like this woman is so selfish, deluded, and pompous. The sad thing, one of the sad things, and there's so many about this interview here, one of the sad things about this interview is that the two broadcasts, I think, I could tell, uh, were, were melanin people, were non-Anglos, or black folks, right? Maybe last night, I don't know. But if you could, I put the link in the description of this episode. Go play the video and look at their faces. The guy is always looking dumbfounded. Like, What's this woman talking about? And you're wondering, like, you're like, oh, my God, like, is it so true? Or are you like, did this woman really say that, you know, suck it up? Let me let me let me let me let me float you what the crime rate is. Here's a chance. Uh, you can go to and I put this in the description as well. Uh, my chance of becoming a victim of violent crime. Do you know in Missouri you have a one in 184 chance of being a victim of violent crime? Do you know that? But do you know in St. Louis where this individual, you know, Corey Bush apparently represents what have you? You have a one in 50. A one in 50. And this is the one that's telling all those people in St. Louis to suck it up that y'all getting murdered out there. Suck it up that you're getting robbed, sexually assaulted, abused, home invasions, home robbery, carjacking. She's saying suck it up because she's too important. And these two reporters, I couldn't find their names. I think the guy called the other woman Alexandra, what have you. These two reporters stood there. Go play the video. Because I, I was getting nauseous hearing this, woman, hearing, this, hearing this woman talk, right? Now you can say, well, she's right. No, no, no stop this nonsense. Stop this. Stop. She's telling essentially to you all straight up, your life means nothing. My life is more important than yours because I have work to do. What other places don't, you know, um, occupation, do they get propped up because they need support, whatever? Teachers. You know, I've been one for like 12 plus years. I know exactly what it's like in the classroom. She, you know, I don't know what she's talking about. She oh, just the nurses. How about the teacher? Right? Oh, right now there's a teacher shortage. You don't see her talking about that nonsense. 
This is including St. Louis. But to hear her go out there and say, do you want me to die? You know, y'all suck it up. I have to hire more security. I'm going to hire more security. Screw you all. So all you one in 50, when you get robbed next time, you wonder why the police are taking so long? But then there was an officer who got killed in St. Louis or in Missouri whose name escapes me. He was killed during a, a, a – he was protecting his friend's store, and he was gunned down uh, during the whole, you know, rioting out there. You Because know, they always riot. You know, it's not like they talk about, you know, you know let's, let's, let's have a conversation. It's just they're rioting. But anyways, I'm just – I'm just, I'm so sorry, people, my friends. I'm just so annoyed because the sad thing is that people will vote this person, this woman, right back into office. I think most of the people out there in her community who are getting murdered, getting killed, something like that, probably have no clue how they're being sold out. All right? Probably have no idea how they're being sold out. And right now, it's just to hear her be so possible. It just, it, it, it kills me. But I don't know how the people out there are putting up with this nonsense. But, again, you have district attorneys like Gascon. You have district district attorneys like Braggs over in New York. You have Congress people like Corey Bush, AOC, and all these people out there talking about, you know, defund the police. They don't even live – these are people – let me come back. It's not that they don't even live in the neighborhoods they're talking about. They can run that nonsense all they want. These folks, including AOC, you know, in fact, she had something to say about this defunding the police uh, a little while ago. Okay, so – and it may sound strange, but uh, many affluent suburb, suburbs have essentially already begun pursuing a defunding of the police in that they fund schools, they fund housing, and they fund health care um, more as their number one priority. No, they don't. And she has no idea. In fact, it's not even defund. And we have to call it reallocation. Because what happens if $100 million is going to go to the police department, what have you, they're going to say, you know what, let's just put $10 million to another program. That's not defunding. That's just reallocating. Defund the way they present it means that if they have a $90 million budget, we have to take out 40, take out 40 million of it and put it somewhere else. A social workers who's going to go in there and confront homeless people who, who are committing violent crimes or violent criminals. So what's she talking about? And on top of that, let's, let's, let's do a little economics here. I know she went to BU. So she, she did, I think she studied economics at BU. So let's find out. You know, you know interesting about ALC? Uh, um, you know, it's just it's interesting about her and Ilmar, how they slander Anglo men but are either dating or married to one. I, I, this whole dichotomy is just, I'm going to do an episode on it somewhere down the road. It just popped my mind after hearing her talk. But anyway, let's, let's go back. Now, where I teach the average income of four in Los Angeles I believe, let's find out right, right now, I believe $40,000, whatever it may be, average income for, for Los Angeles. Let's find out here. I'm going to share some numbers that I share with my students that, that floored them when they heard this. All right, you ready? Here we go. Da, 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 da. What is the average medium household? In Los Angeles. Okay, so here we go. Thanks for your patience, people of the world, my friends. California. The medium household income in California, $75,000. That's the average, $75,000. Okay, the average yearly income in California, 
thousand dollars. All right, eighty thousand dollars. Do you know what the average income in the area called where I teach at? The average um, salary or median income, whatever, twelve thousand dollars. I'm dead serious. I shared it with my students, and they were floored. They were stunned. You know why? Because a lot of the students live in that district. Now, let me explain to you a little bit of economics here. The taxes people pay go to fund the services in the community. So your taxes are being used to pay, you know, for the infrastructure, the firewalks, the roads, the police department, the fire department, the post office, and those other great stuff, what have you. So let's do a little math. You're making $100,000, 10% goes to, you know, ta- you know, taxes goes to your infrastructure, right? Okay, so that's 10 k I get off my math here, just bear with me. I'm really tired. That's $10,000 right there. Okay, 10000 off 100 k Let's go down to this neighborhood where I teach at. The average salary is what? $12,000. What's 10% of that? $1,200. How much exactly services do you think you get for that amount of money? Not much. Why do you think a lot of the neighborhoods look the way they do? Because the tax base isn't high enough to bring in better services. If we can increase the income in those neighborhoods, we can increase the tax base. We can increase, we can increase the services they get. It's not about defunding the police. It's increasing the tax base in these neighborhoods. And the only way you can do that is by bringing income opportunities, i.e. jobs. But they don't talk about that. When Corey's running her mouth about that, you know, I, I hope the guy she, she beat last time when she ran for office runs again. Because, and when they do that, they play this clip because it's just so smart. If you're a supporter of her, that's fine. That's cool. But if you can sit there and say to yourself, hey, what she said is right. She's essentially saying that your life means nothing compared to hers because you're not doing anything. She's doing the work. I'm surprised the Bible didn't burst the plans when she put her hands on it because it's the same person who said, oh, there's snipers out there. And she always runs this police. And, again, it goes back to these two, these two reporters, clueless. They're sitting there saying, oh, my God. It's like the, uh, the Oprah interview with uh, Mark, what's her name, Megan, what's her name, um, Harry, what have you. That's an interesting situation there. And they talk about, oh, well, yes, someone asked um, – about the color of the kids, the baby's skin. And Oprah said, oh, my God. She didn't say who. She, she wasn't like, and they were like, you know, and we, and whoever said it, we're not going to say anything. She wasn't like, okay, well, prove it. Who was it? Give us names. Give us dates. Give us receipts. She didn't say nothing. Same thing here. She makes a comment, oh, the police are threatening me. And they're like, oh, my God, the police are threatening you? Can't you security detail? What's up the security detail going through? Can't security detail or Congress do something to remove these people? This is the it. People will say anything and pretend to be dumb to keep an interview because I can't believe deep down in their psyche they're sitting there saying, oh, my God, the police are threatening her. I think it's especially the brother. It, it was, it was, it, it. This is how they think. The AOCs and all these people, they just want deep on the police. I and mean, you can make it about Democrats, public all you want. It seems like the people are making these comments in the Democratic Party. But for me, it's these particular people running around, these other politicians, the other civilians, the other intellectual people that should know better, who don't live in these communities, you know, they can brag. Well, you know, I walked to a gun scene last year. Okay. Then maybe you should understand what the gang violence thing. Or you had the lady on the view who challenged uh, this black woman after she bought a gun. She goes, I want to, I want, I want to protect myself. Well, this lady on the view said, you know, as a former prosecutor, that she knows that most of the gun violence uh, is, takes place uh, in the home by the gun owner, what have you. Well, that was proven false years ago. Most of the gun violence takes place by the home intruder breaking into the house with a gun, or the, the criminal breaking into the house with a gun. But it's just really, it's really frustrating, my friends, because our people are dying out there, and these people think it's a joke. And then, you know, they tried in Oakland, defund the police. You know what happened with that? The black people come out marching, saying, we, 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 we can't have this nonsense, right? Look over in Chicago, look how they're being treated. Mary Lightfoot, who lives in the community, they're like Maxine Waters. 
she's up there saying writing orders for the police. We have to look at, I might have to add mayor to the, to the title because the mayor is responsible as well because they're the ones who the police answer to. And they're like, can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. You have to make sure a gun, you have to wait till a gun's being pointed at you and the hammer is cocked before you thought you're going to shoot. The guy who chased that person with a gun down in Chicago, uh, I think it was last year, right? 13-year-old, 14-year-old. Yeah, he got shot by the police officer. The police officer was chasing him for a block, you know, almost a block, you know, down the alley saying, yo, put down the gun, put down the gun, put down the gun. Okay, so the kid put his hand behind a gun, put his hand behind a, a, a fence, dropped the gun at night, pulled his hand on, the cop shot him. And people are like, oh, why did he shoot? Well, how's the cop only have a gun? It, it just, you know, we're second-guessing police officers, you know what I'm saying? So she puts these stupid mandates about when you can chase people, when you can't chase people. But no one asked about the gang leader who, who they arrested, who was responsible for the kid to be on the street out at, at night with a gun. No one talked about that. It's the police. Innocent people are dying out here. Innocent people are getting murdered. Look at the robberies in L.A. You have a British tourist that was, two of them was robbed a couple of days ago of their watch, and a person videotaped the holdup. I don't know why they didn't call the police, but they videotaped the holdup. It's stupid. But they were like, oh, yeah, garnered 3,000 people. What the, what the hell? A woman, just, I believe just yesterday, I was today from UCLA, name this case, name this case, my Twitter feed, I put it there. It was in a store. Guy, homeless guy walks in, stabs her, kills her, runs out the store, runs out the back door. Um, is anybody... It's just a joke. It's just a joke. You know, how many more people do we have to have die on the street before these politicians, before you all wake up and say, look, our lives matter as well as your life. You know, AOC, she goes to, to school. She goes to her office and, and with every in. I can't even say things are so pathetic. These people go to their job at Congress in their armored vehicles and stuff like that. Really, armored SUVs, stuff like that. And remember when the, the, the Capitol riots broke out? Not the insurrection. Y'all want to believe in insurrection? Feel free. You can what you want. They had like, what, 5,000 National Guards out there? I don't hear no one come out to call about defund the police then. It's a joke. It's just, it's just a joke. We're just... Y'all need to get together and vote these people out of office. If they're out there saying that, you know, their life is more important than you, you need to vote these people right out of office because I don't care what I don't care what um, politician political affiliation you have. I don't care if you don't have political affiliation. It's just pathetic with what I see happening on the street now. You know, it's just pathetic. Oh, here's the young lady's name. Um, hold on for a second. The young lady is Brianna uh, Brianna Cuffer, 24. She was alone in a store in La Brea when a man, believed to be homeless, entered the store and knifed her. And she was found by another customer who walked in. And she just and by that time the police got there, she was dead. It's, man, you know. So right now I'm just at a loss of words, and I don't mean loss of words like I don't know what to say. I'm just at a loss of words because people are just so people are just not taking this seriously. They, I mean, I'm, I, you know, in Oakland, when the people said, we want, we want the police, we need more police, you know what happened? A bunch of Anglos came down and some other people came down saying, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, 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 no, y'all are wrong. Defund the police. These are Anglos coming down saying defund the police. To the black people and the Latino people and the Asian people and the other, other people in the community who are saying, we need more police. These people, 90% of them Anglo came down saying defund the police. You see, they, they think they know it's better for black people. They think they know it's better for, 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 for folks and whatnot that, that have melanin. They think they know what's better for people who live in these communities that got to deal with this violence. 
Because you know why? They come down, they march, scare the police, and they run right back to the located neighborhoods. That's what they do. So the thing is, and what, you know, so the thing is, like, what exactly is the point of, of, of why you have politicians? It's just people. It's just, it's just really sad. So we have a few minutes left here. I'm gonna cut it early. My throat's getting raw. Hope y'all are doing well out there. Stay safe. You know, the sad thing is that they're gonna vote these people right back into office because they they don't listen to they fall for the rhetoric. Everybody's saying rhetoric, but just to let you know, some person some wrote me in the chat. Hey, today is Dr. King's day. Um, what do y'all think? You know, so, you know, um, Choda, what do you think about you know anything to say? Well, I did say it in the beginning, but let me see what President Biden. Let me show about this later. Let me see what President Biden said about Dr. King. I believe it was last year. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. did. I want to know who the black person that was sitting there. This maybe the black person. I don't know. I want to know the person was who was sitting there. Said, mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy said with a straight face and. She, he said it's, he said that Dr. King's um, life and legacy had, did not have the worldwide impact of the George Floyd, you know, the guy that was uh, who died during, uh, during uh, at the hands of the police in Minneapolis, right? He says with a straight face. And black folks, I mean, I, I was on a lot of black folks when he said it. I was on campus one day, like, yeah, mm-hmm. They have no clue of history. They have no clue of nothing. George Floyd did not spark a, a rumor. He did not spark anything around the world on the level of Dr. King. People were mourning Dr. King's assassination all across Africa, including the Northern Territory, you know, Morocco, those places. They, they weren't doing that. They, no, 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 no. That's essentially saying, that's like saying that George Floyd's death was more impactful than the Arab Spring. No, no. People are just throwing these words out there to get illicit reaction. People are just throwing these words out there to get um, people's you know, to, to have a knee jerk to motivate, quote unquote, the base. And when people make these comments, I really wish people, even from the same party, I mean, when you have Kamala talking about the January 6th is equal to Pearl Harbor, and what was the other one, Pearl Harbor and 9-11, and she said with a straight face, it was, it was, I lost a friend at 9-11, all right? I lost a friend at 9-11, and I thought I lost my sister at 9-11. For her to compare the January riots, you know, it, no, uh, don't, it's, not even, it's not even close. But this is the time we live in. I just sometimes, I sometimes feel like, you know what? We need an alien invasion <laughs> to bring the people back together. But people, on that note, I'm done. Choked in the mix. SKD, y'all stay safe out there. I'm gone. Thanks for your time, friends. Catch you on the next one.